This is news from heaven. Our soul doesn't suffer when we suffer physically. And what a cool message that can be when you're in a time that's not cool at all. I'm thinking about people that have pain. We all go through it, but chronic pain. I know I've been dealing with some pain and discomfort, and there can be a part of you that feels like when I'm in this, when things aren't right physically, it's a total loss. Everything's gone. This this is not counting for anything good. Maybe not in those terms, but something approaching that. The idea that there is a part of us that is above the clouds, that actually is free and healthy and happy. That's awesome. And it also, this concept is useful when we're thinking out at all the suffering in the world that is significantly stupid. And we we don't, like from an existential standpoint, I don't want that stuff happening to people. And it really puts a strain on your idea of a loving God that is running everything. Because why aren't you stopping this stuff? And how can we possibly tolerate the pain these people are going through and that we're going through? Let's see if we can introduce the idea of there's a part, there's a part of us, this doesn't take everything away, but there's a part of us where everything is okay. And to get there, we're going to be going through the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. I know. How are you going to tie that in? Why would you bring that up? This is not an appropriate time. We're doing it. It's always a good time to bring stuff like that up because it's all interconnected in length. And the point of it all is to get us out of these head clouds that I was just talking about. Because the, the idea that, well, because you, your pain is preventing you from something or these, this pain that other people are going through means life can't be good. That's just hell, and hell wants to tell you, always wants to embellish stuff and give you a misinterpretation of stuff that ends up making it so that, what? What's the net effect? We're unhappy, and the rays of love and truth that are up here can't get through this dark mass on the radar. The cool thing we're learning today is there's a part of us that never goes below the clouds that it's always there, and it's always connected. So, as I said, to get there, let's take a detour through Jesus Christ. This is from True Christianity 126. You can follow along, download it for free. Suffering on the cross. Why suffering in general? And I guess you're going to say, look, we all do have to suffer, but it does seem like God is willing to do it as well. I imagine suffers with each one of us as we go through everything, but the story of Jesus really culminates in this intense suffering. So why? Suffering on the cross was the final trial the Lord underwent as the greatest prophet. This is a particular mantle you have, and to be a prophet, you've got to go through certain ordeals that represent these deeper truths. It happened to all the other prophets. I think he's going to talk about that here. It was a means of glorifying his human nature, that is, of uniting the, that nature to his Father's divine nature. So somehow... This stuff that we think is just, it's just a parasite on life experience. Somehow this is doing some heavy lifting here. This suffering is uniting. It's glorifying. We're not trying to glorify suffering, but we are going to say if there really is a God who's doing good stuff, there's got to be some really meaningful good brought out of suffering in order for it to be allowed, right? Somehow this is uniting the human divine nature and the divine divine nature together, which is absolutely crucial because that's how we connect to God is through that unition that was made. So this, the suffering on the cross did us all a solid. It was not redemption. Doesn't mean that 
we don't have to work on our bad habits because Jesus went through this suffering. God did not require a certain amount of suffering and said, ah, now I am satisfied. This, like all suffering, was not to appease anybody's sensibilities. This was about getting real work done. There are two things for which the Lord came into the world. Hey, why did Jesus happen? I'll give you two. And through which he saved people and angels. Redemption and the glorification of what? Glorification of what? Why are the margins so big? I made them that way. Because I need to draw there. His human aspect. Did you remember what that was? Redemption and the glorification of his human aspect. Okay, we are theological here, aren't we? Let's see if we don't get some definitions for those terms so they go from being just multi-syllabic words into something that you get and that can increase your love for God and for life. These two things are distinct from each other, but they become one in contributing to salvation. That, sure, you may not have a very warm, fuzzy connection with that word, but if you think about being rescued out of everything that's bothering us, if you think about being rescued out of this situation and pulled up above this fray or having this dispelled, if you think about all those people who are out there suffering that we're worried about and them being rescued, that is the best thing that exists. Rescue is the best thing that exists. I guess not needing rescue is good too, but man, that's what this is. So these two things work together that Jesus was doing through this suffering, work together to pull us out of what hurts. In the preceding points, we have shown what redemption was. Okay, here we go. Battling the hells, gaining control over them, and then restructuring the heavens. There was this issue, just a quick catchy upper. Okay, you've got the world here, and it's orange, and there's continents on it, right? This is there. That's what it looks like. And this is a symbol of, you know, we're not talking about in physical space, but this is where you and I all live, and this is the plane on which we are conscious, right? That plane is maintained and created by an inflow or influx from both heaven and hell. So hell is down here, which is every time we devote our life to hatred and vengeance and everything and, and to like enjoying other people's suffering, which we're talking about how crazy suffering is. We're mad that God even exists because of it. Some people want to cause suffering in other people or they don't care that other people are suffering because they just want what they want. Every time we devote ourselves to that, we go jump in and become part of this hell energy, right? So that energy, that collective group of human consciousnesses in the afterlife that are devoted to this stuff, that creates, that affects our mental sphere here. Like that comes in and affects this. If we do the opposite, if we, if we love and, and, and do the work and put in the struggle and service, we go up here and we're in heaven. And heaven is part of this consciousness, right? Both of these go into your daily thought diet. Heaven and hell are both trying to exert an influence. Wasn't I just saying these dark clouds are hell? I just was saying that. So the problem is this was going to collapse because hell was getting way powerful and heaven was shrinking down. It's because too many people were being mean. Being mean has a lot of an appeal. Too many people were doing it. Jesus Christ had to come. This redemption was this huge restructuring. Pretend that really put everything in order there. That was major work. Glorification was the uniting of the human nature with the divine nature of his Father. This process occurred in successive stages and was completed by the suffering on the cross. Apart from that, you have Jesus Christ 
as this microcosm, a person just like us because we are this little version of, of God. And then you have the, the unknowable divine essence. And it was all about throughout his life, living the same path that we live to connect these two things together. And that was glorification. And that connection allowed the restructuring because it gave us a new way to choose heaven, better ways to choose heaven and better ways to get freed from like, hell was like all the way are starting to reach up here and stop us from doing, going to the light because misery loves company and hell is insanity. This idea that suffering is good. Other people's suffering is good. That's the core of hell. When the pleasure of evil is felt as good, that's hell. It's insane. It wants to destroy everything. It'll destroy itself. It's just, it's just toxic. It's poison. Don't do it. Okay, this process occurred. All of us have to do our part. Okay, so here we go from Jesus. And you may have tuned into this and thought, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Jesus has nothing to do with me. Everything has to do with you. <laughs> don't let it go to your head. But the, God isn't going to do something that doesn't affect all of us. All of us have to do our part and move closer to God. We have to do this stuff. And we have to restructure our own little minds. The closer we come to God, the more God enters us, which is his part. So, oh, that's interesting. We move, our, what's your job? Move closer to God. You're not trying to enter into God, understand that. You're not trying to open your little, do this high-end, microscopic, spiritual tinkering with yourself. We've got to just move closer to God. That's what we've got to do. Move closer to God. And the more we do that, God doesn't just move closer to us. God enters us. And you think about it, it's very hard to, if someone said, I I'm going to, here, I'm going to, this little marker, I'm going to have this enter you. You'd be like, mm, no thanks. To enter, you think about more like the way food enters you. Right? That has to go through this very specific process and be broken down just right and then be disseminated just right in order to be helped. God is coming in with that delicacy and that working with the system. So there you go. Digestion and God. It is similar with a house of worship. First it has to be built by human hands. Then it has to be dedicated and finally prayers are said for God to be present and unite himself to the church that gathers there. So instead of moving there, the metaphor is like building. But it's just a building. The, the complexity of it is, is minuscule compared to the complexity of the God we're trying to invite in. We do our little part. God does the big part. The union itself between the Lord's divine and human natures was completed. This, suf yeah, this suffering is back. Completed. Somehow the suffering on the cross completed this uniting. Because this suffering was the final spiritual test the Lord went through in the world. Spiritual tests lead to a partnership with God. And we've done a lot of shows about this. You have to, there's, there are certain nutrients that you get in having your world shaken that you just don't get anywhere else. And especially when we are, these black clouds are not just hanging around totally uninvited. Hey, I've never drawn hands on this person, but I'm going to do it. Look at that. Oh, it disappeared. This is people are saying, this is why you never draw hands. You don't know how to draw hands. Oh, 
we've hit some kind of limit in this software. So forget I ever said anything about those hands. Just imagine them. We are grabbing. What do I care about how the software behaves? We don't need it. We need it, but we don't need it to be perfectly everything I'm always asking for. So we grab this stuff. That's all I was trying to say. We grab this stuff, and the spiritual trials are what the only thing without harming, without destroying us, that loosen that grip a little bit. Believe it or don't believe it, that's, uh, that's how it's working. During our spiritual tests, we are apparently left completely alone. Although, in fact, we're not alone. At those times, God is most intimately present at our deepest level, giving us support. Oh, the deepest level that we were talking about before over here just happens to solve another problem too. Because not is it just why we don't want people to suffer. We want to know there's a place where there's not suffering. But also, how come God's leaving us alone when we need him the most? Well, actually, God is right here. This well, here we get cloudier and cloudier and just really don't know what's going on. Here, God is right there, visible, like right in front of our face. You know the Footprints poem, I was carrying you then, but obviously the person didn't know. Is that just a metaphor? At a certain level, God is right there, visibly and tangibly right there. can be comforting. I'm not saying you can't be mad at God for making you feel like you're alone. It sucks, but it's not permanent and good is coming out of it. Because of that inner presence, when any of us have success in a spiritual test, we form a partnership with God at the deepest level. So, okay, because of that inner presence, something about it allows us to, we let go of selfishness and materialism, we recognize our need for God, something about what God is doing with our inner self, even while we're going through that, leads to this partnership with God at the deepest level. And that is that salvation. And that rescue. In the Lord's case, this is back to Jesus, he was then, and look at, isn't that, how is that not cool? That you can go blow by blow on the process Jesus went through, and it's the process we go through. It's integrated. Otherwise, it seems awkward. Why is there what we all go through in life and make movies about and everyone agrees on, and then there's this other like side journey of the Son of God and God, it's the same story. It's the same hero's journey that we're all going on. The Lord... Oh, I don't even feel... I feel like I got overwhelmed and didn't finish this sentence. In the Lord's case, he was then united to God, his Father, at the deepest level. So that was how that little... You know, that little thing happened at the deepest level. The Lord was left to himself during the suffering on the cross, as is clear from his crying out on the cross, God, why have you abandoned me? If you ever feel guilty... And say, I, you know, let's say you, you feel pretty devout and you, you believe God's around and God's your friend and something really hard happens and you're upset and you say, why aren't you here, God? And you, you go back on that agreement that, that you're going to trust God and love God and you feel bad and say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Jesus Christ did it. <laughs> so if God gets mad at you and says, uh, why did you say that? You can say, well, you said it. You would have said the same thing if this happened to you because you did. I love it. This is also clear from the following words spoken by the Lord. No one is taking my life away from me. I am laying it down by myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. I receive this command from my Father. Jesus Christ could have said, which is God, the human 
part of the visible, understandable part of God. So, look, I could have skipped this, but I didn't want to because the good done, the partnership is so valuable that this outer suffering is well worth it. And actually, it may seem like totally unfathomable, but the, unfathomable, but the outer suffering is a part of it, is a part of the good done. I, I'm not saying I'm not upset about suffering, but I get there's something there. There's something there. There has to be something there. Otherwise, you can never reconcile suffering. From the points just made, it was clear it was not the Lord's divine nature that suffered. It was his human nature. And then the deepest union, a complete union, took place. So here you have God. Some part of God connects to some other part of God. What does it mean for us? It means exactly the same thing for us. An illustration of this, here we get our title, is that when we suffer physically... Our soul does not suffer. It merely feels distress. After victory, God relieves that distress and washes it away like tears from our eyes. Come on, I'm getting goosebumps. So no matter who, what you're going through, your soul is okay. And all this outer physical or whatever kind of suffering you're in, this temporary suffering can just be wiped away like a little kid that's crying, and anything anyone else is going through, and you think, how could that happen to them? They're going to be okay. That is the universal truth, that there's nothing that's unhealable, and nothing that God can't take care of, and there's no suffering going on that's not accomplishing something good at the deepest level, even though you may not see it here. So, next time you're going through something tough, which will probably be today, I mean, life is pretty tough, don't forget, you are right there with God. God didn't go anywhere, and there's a, you guys are hugging on, on this deepest level. That's the news from heaven. How'd you like it? Does it do anything for you? Leave a comment. Let us know. We gotta know. If you want news from heaven to be able to continue, go to otle.causevox.com and make a donation. It can be a dollar. A dollar helps us. We're a not-for-profit, so this is free. We want it to be free, and in return, we just need some of you to step up and donate. So please do so. I'm so lucky I get to talk about this stuff. And you guys have been the best audience ever. And this is the last one ever. I'm just kidding. We're going to do a million more. I said we're going to keep going. Because how could you stop? This is so useful and so valuable. And thank you for making it possible. Because if you guys weren't watching, if nobody was listening, we wouldn't be doing this. And here we are doing it. I hope you take a tool from this out into your week and, and make the world a better place.